completing the stress cycle is a natural physiological process that my body wants to do, almost like going to the bathroom that I didn't know how. Say, as I'm looking even at what you said about your why, there's so many ways in which you would need to attend to all of the needs of this very unique individual that I'm speaking to. Being mm. autistic requires a special care and a special attention to what are my specific needs. Being queer requires a special attention to what are my specific needs and how do I meet those needs. Then having mm. to navigate PTSD and ADHD and the focus that is required there. All of this stuff requires a sensitivity to self that if you do not pay attention and are not sensitive to oneself, then where do you go other than crash? Where do you go other than that? So how did you become then sensitive to self? And then how mm. did you start attending to self in all of these areas that required it of you? And I'm sure there are more. Yes, that is a great question. So the thing that I needed to do. The thing that was kind of the, the linchpin for it all, let's say, the thing that catapulted me into understanding was I needed to address the literal level of cortisols in my body, like the yes. physiological stress and doing something that uh, that very same book calls completing the stress cycle, which is says that, you know, we in these bodies, basically, we've lost the knack of talking to our body in a language that it understands and vice versa. I think it was another book, a Gabor Mate one that really got me thinking about this idea of language was that it wasn't that my body was this tool that I was abusing or even just, you know, people yeah. who have had to separate themselves from their needs. Often that means separating yourself from your body and your body's needs. And I realized that actually completing the stress cycle is a natural physiological process that my body wants to do almost like going to the bathroom that I didn't know how I had to approach it systematically. Frankly, mm. um, I'm a very systematic person, you know, in the consulting and strategy work that I do. That's yeah. often a unique element that I bring because I need to structure things for my own self. So I was like, what skills do I have? I'm going to approach this like I'm learning something else and just make a system that works. But it had to be a system that allowed room for these lenses that at the time didn't exist yet. I just knew that the stuff I was reading and my experience, there was a gap. Mm. And so in building and following that system, which is now like that is Grow Mighty Leaders. That's what I do for a living. Now it's that cool and that effective. It required me unpacking through a cultural lens yeah. how that impacts different people so that I could filter it enough that I can make it work for me. And then with the cultural lens, starting to address that, then I started to need to unpack these other lenses and the, these other things going on. The system that I was continuing to build and refine, and I mean, I had to be built and refined forever in yeah. some ways, because the thing that made it work for me and the thing that made me strong was being able to run it through other people's lenses and be able to find the core elements that work no matter what and understand how to apply it to myself because on any given day, I might need a different set of tools. Now, what that literally looked like at first was just going for walks every day while I was going for walks, doing some kind of imagination and rhythm stuff to help myself just release. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it looked like at first it felt like ripping the top off a can of beans. Like, oh my God, there's this endless well of stress now that I'm acknowledging it. But surprisingly enough, maybe an hour a day of walking. And then I started to bring in body-based trauma healing, like EMDR. Yeah. And of course, the spirit element, I guess that for me goes through it all. You know, I'm a very yeah. literal person. So for me, spirit isn't everything. I had to spend a lot of time alone and understand, okay, 
who am I outside of what I do for people? Yes. Outside of all these different lenses, you know, things I thought were my personality, I started to learn over a period of a year or two, you know, these things I thought were my personality was actually me masking yeah. autism. And this part of my personality actually has to do with my ADHD symptoms. And mm -hmm. I had to find things that represented who I sought to be. Mm. I had to learn my values. That was a big part of it. In the end, you know, the way I now look at it is that I had to reclaim rest in my life on a physiological level, again, on like on a body level. Then I had to reduce stressors. I had to actually look at these are some of the things that are recurring that are stressing me out. Yes. And then I needed to unpack baggage and really do that cyclically mm. because unpacking baggage after you do that, you kind of have to reclaim some rest. Usually. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really through this process not of getting perfect at any one of those things, but of learning to do things from each of those categories regularly and move through those cycles that I really found myself getting stronger and stronger. Where now, even though you guys can maybe see the wrist braces, like I still have some body stuff, you know, because, uh, you know, spoiler alert, when I started to get better, I then pushed myself way too hard and had to start over. <laughs> but on a mental, emotional level. We, we relapse yeah. in what some would call the positive direction as well, right? You know, so, you know, some people would relapse and they might have to go back to bed. And then some people relapse and then they take on a hundred different tasks that they shouldn't have mm -hmm. taken on, right? So we do it in different ways. So what was the most important thing when you say reclaim the time, the energy, what was the most important thing that you needed to do in order to reclaim the time and the energy? I needed to, number one, understand that the stressors, the things stressing me out and the stress, the experience of it were different. And that's why the Hydra, more heads were popping up because the things stressing me out were coming from my stress, not vice yeah. versa. Yes. And the second thing I needed to do is the very same thing the book told me that made me start to cry is I needed to stop dealing with the stressors, even though everything in my head, my body's screaming at me to, you know, fix this thing, solve this thing. You know, if I just change this one more thing, things will get better. I had to actually stop all of that and understand how I could basically meet my body needs, <laughs> meet my human needs. I had to learn that I was a human and do in fact have needs and really approach that quite radically, especially the completing the stress cycle, like what was cathartic for me and prioritize that first, number one and keep doing that until I had the energy and capacity to deal with the stressors. So stress management is really important for those people who confuse the stress response or what we see is kind of like the thing that shows up versus the thing that's actually causing the stress. Mm -hmm. Let's help them now to kind of tease through that. Like, so how do we, how do we tell the difference? What's the exercise that we need to go through to tell the difference between what we're seeing and what the actual cause is? Yeah. So the exercise that I typically teach people is to, well, it's less of an exercise and more of a rhythm, um, yeah. which is understanding what our body cues are. Yes. So, you know, when we feel angry or sad, there are certain body cues that we all kind of recognize, like, you know, a knot in your stomach or your eyes pricking or something like that. Yes. The exercise that I take people through is to really take the time to think about, you know, perhaps the last time that they were stressed or, you know, when they do get upset, what are some of those body cues that can tell them when they're in acute stress, you know, like when something is having that response. And I find that's a good way to start to notice that over time and then leapfrog into understanding what are signs 
that I am chronically stressed, that even when I think I am relaxed, you know, I might notice certain body cues and that allows me to actually start responding before things get critical. Okay. So that's a good thing. In my forgiveness journal, I have a very simple exercise. It's called fear mapping, which you could change it to stress mapping if you want. You basically could identify using very similar process. You could identify, okay, what does stress look for me? What does it look like right now? And what is dominating? For example, if I'm stressed, I might have a stomach ache or I might have a headache or mm -hmm. I might feel frustrated or I might actually yell, right? So those are all different things. And depending on kind of how you want to figure out the cause, you would draw a circle on a blank sheet of paper. And in that circle, you put whatever the symptom is, upset stomach, yelling, frustrated, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. And then there's a process that we move through called grounding. But once you've grounded yourself, then it's simply keeping that single or multiple stress symptoms in mind and then writing whatever comes to mind for the next three to five minutes. Very centered. Sounds like a similar process that you're talking about. But then what you'll find is that there's a point where you stop writing because you've hit the button. You've, you've now recognized what it is that has caused this particular feeling that we started or a symptom or a sensation that we started with. Is that a similar process to what you're talking about? I would say it's similar. There's one key difference, uh, which is that I actually don't encourage people at first to focus on the stressors. Actually, what you're describing is actually like a moosh of two different things that I would take people through Okay. because I separate the stress and the stressors. What you're describing, especially that free writing piece, I find that so, so, so helpful for when my brain is running on and I'm, you know, going in circles with my thoughts or, I, yes. you know, like sometimes one of the more effective things for me at the beginning was waking up in the middle of the night and I wouldn't even read what I wrote. I would just write until yeah. the pen stopped, close it, go back to bed. Back to sleep. Yeah. Um, it's and like kind of like a brain dump. I call it a brain dump. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how this is different is that it can sometimes be challenging to not get lost in that thought and that those stressors. Yeah. So I like to separate it where first we're just looking at those cues. I usually have people start to notice them day to day yes. and then we come back and talk about it and yes. start to go a little bit more formally into it. And yes. then the other piece that I have people do is I have people make a list of, well, make a list. I often do this in workshop format, but basically list the things that you do when you recognize those cues. Mm. So we're actually just totally putting the stressors aside for the moment because most of us have spent way too much time fighting those stressors. <laughs> yes. And it's hard enough to kind of keep yes. them separate at first. Yes. So we'll take the time to say, okay, how do you respond to that? And then, you know, we might share, reflect, these are the different things. And then uh, we might say, what are things that you do that you know for sure help to ship that feeling? And mm. a totally separate list and just the act of starting to make those two lists starts to make you see, oh, these are different lists a lot of the time. And I actually know a lot more than I thought I did. Things right. I can do. That can cycle yeah, my, I'm my own expert, you know, like. Exactly. And that's what I find because each of us has our own unique lens and context that I find it very, very helpful and often a missing link for people to focus on things like this that are kind of tapping into that inner wisdom, but focused on solutions and kind of moving us away, you 
you know, we need to acknowledge and understand and be self-aware, but the idea is not to focus on problems, but use patterns to help us orient around the solutions. You know, some people might've heard that list of names or labels. And I know people are like, wow, you put yourself in that many boxes or that. But for me, these were so liberating. I mean, some like queer that, you know, I've known a long time, but you know, the more recent like ADHD and autism, it actually didn't put me in a box so much as help me identify patterns and feel part of something bigger. I was like, oh, there are other people out there. Yeah. And so tapping into that and being able to kind of just recognize patterns and stuff, there's a muscle memory. So much of these changes are not about learning something new, but about being able to develop muscle memory while crap is still coming at you. Yes. (laughs) 